You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today we are talking Pacers Bucks because that game gave me a lot of deja vu. Pacers once again getting smoked by the Bucks at home. We're talking Karis Lavert, who actually played a solid game uh, against the Bucks and is rounding into form a little bit, which is very important for this team that has needed someone else to step up. And then tonight, the Pacers play again. They play Minnesota in Minnesota, their last road game for a while. So lots to get to in terms of opponent, lots to get to in terms of what the Pacers have just done. They could have really stamped off a solid week. Last week, had they beaten this Bucks team, that would have been four wins in five games, including wins over Chicago and the Pelicans and the Bucks, and going to OT with the Lakers, beating the Raptors team that has had their number recently. It could have been a pretty big week had they beat the Bucks, but we've learned from this Pacers team over the years that they, since Thad left, do not have a way to beat the Bucks when Giannis plays. They only won once. Giannis did not play. And these games are starting to give me deja vu. The final score today, uh, or last night, Sunday, was 118-100. Earlier this season, the Bucks won 119-109. The Pacers lost the Bucks two years ago, March 2020, 119-100, right? It felt a lot like that game. It reminded me of that game. Uh, the, the Bucks always seem to score a ton. The last time they didn't score even 110. In fact, the last time they didn't score more than 111 was back in 2019. And the time before that, they scored 117, right? So the Bucks and Giannis specifically are just an absolute nightmare matchup for this Pacers team. He's the MVP two times for a reason. He had 26 and 13 and like coasted the entire game on Sunday. It, it, and, you know, I can I will, I will get into the nitty gritties of this matchup and why the Pacers lost what they need to do better against Milwaukee. But there's only they don't have anything for him and no one does really. But other teams have more large bodies to throw at them in ways that the Pacers can't. And, you know, Sabonis can only do so much with his strength and power. Same with Turner and Torrey Craig can only do so much. And Torrey Craig only played seven minutes because he, you know, they just they couldn't get enough offense with him in the game. Like they just don't have the right matchups to deal with him. And so they try to counter with good offense or try to shut down other guys, which kind of worked for a while, but eventually the Bucs figured it out. And the, look, the Pacers are never going to have it for Giannis. They need to find a way to slow down other guys. And they kind of did in this game. So let's get into this game more specifically outside of Giannis because in the first half, the Bucks didn't play particularly well. The Pacers' defense did a good job. It was 26-40. Or, wow, 26 was the second quarter score. It was 52-47 at halftime. Milwaukee was winning. But the Pacers were hanging around the whole time. They got it very close at the start of the third quarter. You know, they, they had a defensive plan that was working. They were down one uh, early in the, in, the, in the third, right? They had an idea that was good. They were sticking right with the Bucks the whole way until the Bucks started to hit their two-pointers, not their threes. The Bucks' three-ball was not their biggest weapon tonight. They shot 23% from deep. They were really filling it up right around the basket because Turner only plays 22 and a half minutes. Sabonis only plays 21 and a half. The Pacers were trying to split them up and trying to get their bigs rested so they could do all everything they needed to do, but that wasn't working. They went away from those guys in the fourth quarter too. They just didn't get enough rim protection and Good defense in the paint against this Bucks team, which is kind of unusual. And the Bucks were shooting ridiculously well on these sh- shots that you don't see from them that much. They were hitting a lot of like fall away, fade away, ten footers, and Giannis hit like two or three of them. Justin Holiday after the game singled that out as one of the things that 
the Bucks did really well and that Giannis did really well is he hit these shots that he doesn't normally hit where he's you know, really tough fadeaways uh, on the baseline. He had a couple of those. Once those go in, the way the Bucks already play, they just filled it up in the third quarter and not from three at all. A lot of twos, good finishes around the basket. The, the Bucks in the first, second, and fourth quarter scored 26, 26, 27, right? So on that pace, they'd score about 106. Uh, they scored 39 in the third as they figured out how to get to the rim and, and were actually putting more pressure on the basket. That's where this game changed and the Bucks put their stamp on it because the blueprint for the Pacers to beat the Bucks, and they've tried to do it in years past, is they need to hit their threes and make their shots, and they were doing that early. They hit uh, six of their first 15 threes, and they were tied after the first quarter. Right, They figured that part out. They need to dominate the mid-range game because the Bucks. They always drop guys back around the rim. They have really good rim-protecting centers. When Brooke Lopez plays, it's Brooke Lopez. When Brooke Lopez is out, it's Giannis. Uh, it's Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis was very good in this game. Uh, you know, Those two guys particular, in particular, I think, were the center for 95% of the game. They drop back really far and make it hard for the Pacers to score right around the rim, so they have to dominate the mid-range game. Levert was doing that for a while. Uh, so when their threes were falling and they were hitting their mid-rangers, they were right in it, right? But they have to combine that with good defense the whole game, and they couldn't protect the paint. If they could have just protected the paint a little better, I think they could have made this one close like they did the first time when they were down just five with six minutes to go in their first home game against Milwaukee. But they have to play really well in that blueprint to, for it to work, and it's tough. It's really tough. I mean, they don't have a lot of good options. You know, they, they tried a lot of stuff that I liked, like – uh, Rick Carlisle went to Jeremy Lamb in this game, and that sounds strange, but Lamb got rotation minutes because he has the threat of a mid-range shot. He can get into the paint and make the Bucks step up on him. He missed all his shots, but in 13 minutes, including some rotation minutes, he was a plus three, right, because the Bucks have to defend him a little differently and allows other guys to step up. That was good. Lavert was really good. He was following that game plan very well, nine for 13, 23 points. Uh, you know, he was really punishing them for the way they like to defend, but the rest of the guys could not really succeed in that role. Brogdon could not hit his mid-rangers. You know, the Pacers found the right balance, but they just couldn't make the shots with him. Duarte was 4 for 10. McConnell was 4 for 9. And McConnell only one assist, right? So he couldn't get the he couldn't even get into the paint in the way the Pacers like to to set up better shots. And then because of the way the Bucs were defending around the basket with Portis, uh, with Giannis, they were shutting down the Pacers' bigs in a way that no one has done all season, right? We've seen the, the Raptors slow down. Sabonis for one game, but not Turner at the same time. And we see Turner slowed down, but not Sabonis at the same time. They combined for six points today. Sabonis was one for eight, didn't score until the second half, only hit one shot, it was a dunk. And Turner was one for four, missed all his threes. They both played fine defense. They both combined for 18 rebounds. I was all great, but they did not score at all. The, the, the Bucks did such a good job keeping those two off of the scoring sheet by doing a great job defending around the rim and making the guards make those tougher shots. Justin Holiday could not make those shots. Jeremy Lamb, like I said, missed them all. So they didn't get enough from the guys who the Bucks said beat us. You know, if, if Justin Holiday beats us, fine, we lose. If Karis Levert and Malcolm Brogdon beat us, fine, we lose. And Levert tried, but the other guys couldn't get it done. And when they're packing the paint, you know, it, there's a reason that these two guys have never, Sabonis and Turner is those two guys I'm referring to, have never combined for just six in the same game like this before because it's really hard to slow down both of them. It's possible to focus on one of them. So I do think that in a way it was an outlier game in that it was so low, six combined points for them. But there is something to the way the Bucks play that slows down at least one of them. And, you know, the, the Pacers were talking about after the game, I was asking all the players basically about this, like, we were just swinging it to the opposite wing instead of trying to get it to those guys because the Pacers were trying to punish that drop coverage 
but they weren't looking inside enough. They weren't running enough weak side pick and roll and stuff like that to get those two guys more involved and more open and, and into situations where they can set up other guys and make baskets happen. That did not happen enough in this game. Those two guys were not a non-factor, but pretty close. I mean, Turner was minus nine. Sabonis was minus 11. Their minutes were just an atrocity. So Pacers had to clear their bench. O'Shea Brissett played the last seven minutes and had eight points on his own, right? He alone outscored those two bigs because he hit hit a three, hit a free throw, and hit a shot. Like, that's all it took because the Bucks shut those guys down. So in theory, this was close to the blueprint the Pacers need to beat this Milwaukee team going forward. They held them to poor shooting from deep, which was good. They had good defensive rotations. Uh, They were at least pretty good getting into the mid-range and hitting threes early. But in the third quarter, they stopped making the threes. They stopped protecting the paint in a way that allowed them to control the Bucs. And they couldn't get their post guys involved in enough of a way like they did the first time these two teams played to change the game. So the Pacers know the blueprint, right, that we saw it for a lot of this game for – the first 30-ish minutes of this game, we saw how the Pacers can beat the Bucs and how they can play them when they're playing their best. But for about 10 minutes after that, we saw why the Bucs are so hard for this Pacers team. They don't have the big bodies for Giannis. They don't have the guys to slow down Middleton and Giroux consistently. It's just a really tough matchup for them. And I, I think we know that you know the Pacers have to just play perfectly against this team, just mo- both, both because they're talented and because of the matchup. And they did not play perfectly in this game, right? They just didn't. So... They did a lot of the stuff that makes them play well, right? They had good balance. Uh, you know, no one took more than 13 shots individually. Uh, you know, McConnell at 9, Duarte 10, Brogdon 12, Levert 13, Holiday 11. That's pretty good balance, uh, but they couldn't get the post guys involved in that balance, and they could not play good enough defense for all four quarters to really punish the Bucks for it. I think they learned a lot more from this game than the first Bucks game, though, because of the way they were able to stay in it, because of the way they were able to have a somewhat – successful game plan and drew holiday did not play the first time i think they played better than they did the first game against the bucks despite the score being what it was so some positives and the takeaways of that they know how to play this one matchup better but some negatives in that a lot of guys could not actually execute that game plan for the full game and and make it happen so a lot of deja vu every pacers bucks games kind of starting to feel the same to me um but they've gotta you know they've gotta find a way to just get a little more punch for the whole game when the adjustments come from the bucks and Levert was that punch, and I want to talk about him a little bit and something he said after the game and something that worked for him in this game and his form of light and his injury. Just a lot of Levert package thoughts in one segment because I've been critical of him, I think deservedly this season. But for a little pivot, i got to say some nice things about him. But first, let's take a break and talk about two great groups of people. First up, the good folks over at Prize Picks who have the best NBA DFS props on the market. They offer more props than any other DFS prop operator and offer all the superstar players and the bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. They offer any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns to interceptions thrown. Any user that deposits and uses our promo code will receive a 100% instant match deposit up to $100. Just be sure to use the promo code NBA. You can pick two to five players in an over-under and win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. You can use their award-winning app. Uh, on the App Store and Google Play, you can make your entries in 60 seconds or less. It's safe. They offer fast withdrawals. It's awesome. Don't hesitate. Check out PrizePicks.com. Use that promo code MBA or go to your App Store. Download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Let's also talk about Direct TV Stream because if you're like me, you have one device to watch every game live. That's my laptop. Another to stream your favorite shows. That's my Xbox. You watch your sports highlights 
on your phone and you've got your parents log in to use something like Netflix. Well, let me tell you about an easier way to get all that stuff together. And that is direct TV stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. No more juggling remotes. No need to buy another device again. And the best part, no annual contract, no more clutter, no more confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving and thank you for making Locked On Pacers your first listen every day. Why not check out Locked On Bucks for Kane Pittman's perspective on why the Bucks continue to smash the Pacers. But let's talk about Karis LeVert and not Pacers Bucks because we get it. I've been talking about the same Pacers Bucks game, same result, same story for two seasons, and I likely will two more times this season unless the Pacers can figure something out. And one thing they did figure out today was how to get Karis LeVert involved against this Bucks team. And let's start with this. If Karis LeVert hits four out of his five threes, a lot of his games will look good, and I will be talking about good stat lines from him. And so some of this might seem a little reductive to one game because he shot so well from three in this game. But there are a couple more noteworthy things about Levert that merit him getting some flowers. First of all, he talked after the game today about his injury and how he's working his way back. And he's just now, he said, you know, figuring out how to trust his body and playing through pain because he is still playing with back pain, and back pain is the worst. And it's really hard to play through it and trust your body and not come up a little short on some movements or move a little upright and stuff like that. And I still think he's a little upright at times, but certainly looking more like Levert of last year. And that maybe is reactive to him actually making shots, but you can kind of see it in the way he's moving and the way he's getting involved. So his injury is getting a little better as of now. Back pain can always reflare up and change a little bit, but I thought that was noteworthy. I also thought it was noteworthy that Carlisle said, we'll see if he can play against Minnesota, his back-to-backs. He hasn't had since, man, this is going to be the word back a lot, since his back injury, his his return from the second break he had from that, he has not played in a back-to-back because there hasn't been one for his back injury. So this could be his first back-to-back. We don't know if he'll play. I think it sounds like he said he might. Uh, he said, you know, it's kind of just how he feels on the day of thing, and it's always a pain tolerance thing with the back stuff. I, I would lean that it's more likely than not, but I don't know, but... It's something to monitor is that his back pain while getting better. We don't know about back-to-backs yet, but his play has been better of late as well. And I think that's kind of where the injury boils down to is when he started to feel better, started to play better. Uh, Four games prior to this. So New Orleans, they won. Chicago, they won. LA, they tied him in regulation before losing in overtime. Toronto, that they won. Levert's plus minus was positive in all four of those games. He was drawing in the defense and putting pressure on the rim. He was making mid-range shots. He was hitting threes the last two games, right? There's clearly been something better for him in that stretch. Six for nine against Chicago. He was good in that game and getting into the lane and hitting those mid-rangers. Eight for 15 against Toronto. Easily his best game of the season and quietly the most minutes he's played this season, which is not something small for a guy who's been dealing with back pain all season. I thought it was noteworthy that he played so much. He talked about how he was able to do that after the game because, again, he is getting better and healing. Then tonight, you know, they benched their starters late because they were getting smoked, but uh, plays the most minutes of any starter except for Brogdon. Nine for 13, hits a bunch of threes, 23 points. Actually, was keeping them in it for much of this game. 23 points, by the way, his highest scoring night of the season. That was his best offensive output he's had. All season, he did it on just 13 shots. So he's finding a little bit of a groove finally as he fights through that pain. And he was pretty rough for a big stretch before this week, basically. But since they started winning against New Orleans and onward, 
Carousel Vert's been much, much better. And I think that some of it is the pain thing, and some of it is he's finding his spots just a little bit better. And he was talking about this after the Bucks game because the way they play, they like you to shoot mid-range shots. Duh, every team does. Uh, but they invite him a little more than normal because they drop really far back in pick-and-roll coverage. And in general, they play a little bit of zone, right? So Lavert was able to get into the five-foot range a little more than he can on a normal night. Uh, he was able to snake around and get open from three because they drop off so far when you're coming around a screen at the top of the key, stuff like that. And it works for the Bucks a lot. They're a good defense for a reason. But it also concedes some of those kind of shots that are a little more open. Like the Pacers took a ton of threes in this game, and a lot of them were pretty open because of the way the Bucks like to drop. Against that coverage, Levert is particularly important, and he got free for a lot of these looks. And I think that's been something that's behooving him more recently is as he feels better, he's a little quicker around screens. He's a little more slithery for defenders to stay with. He's been able to get into those spots that – Yes, defenses like to give up that shot, but Karis Levert's pretty good at hitting them. He has been his whole career. He ha- he was last year with the Pacers, and just as his back pain made it hard for him, sure, he can get to that spot and make a defense bend in a way that they are not comfortable doing, but he couldn't make the shot. It didn't matter. He wasn't punishing anyone by doing that. Now, that's coming back a little bit, right? 10 to 16 feet last year with the Pacers, 53%. Uh, the season before that, right, 51%. Last This year so far, 42%. That's a huge drop. Usually, first career is about 45% from there. So even that is a three-foot difference. And his shorter twos, he's been a little below his season average as well. So he's finishing well at the rim this year, but his mid-rangers in general haven't been falling. His threes obviously haven't been. If he can get that going a little bit more as – you know, he navigates the pain a little better. Teams continue to give that up because it's a favorable shot to give up against most guys uh, as he gets healthier and can get there easier. I just think he'll look a little better. And we're seeing that recently. We'll see if that can continue going forward because he was kind of problematic for this team. That's that's maybe aggressive language to use about Lavert, But, you know, minus nine as they lose by three in Charlotte. He shoots three of eight. He had no assists in that game. No assists. Brutal. Right, the night before that, one assist, seven for 18, minus eight. They lose to Detroit by eight points, right? Like, he's a lot of games like this uh, where he's just missing a bunch and they and they can't overcome his struggles. He was minus five and a four-point loss in Portland. He was six for 21 in that game, right? There are a lot of games where if he just was a little healthier or could hit one more of those mid-rangers, the Pacers would have looked a lot better. And I was critical of his finishing and admittedly probably too high on him before this season, but... Of late, he has rounded into form a little bit, helped this team get better. A lot of good plus-minus games, and I know that single game plus-minus can be you know, a little tweaky, but when you're the guy driving the plus-minus, it's a little more important, and I think he has been in these last couple games. And if he can continue to do that after this Minnesota game, they have this crazy home-heavy schedule that will set him up in a position to finally be the guy that we saw in spurts last year. And he's even said... Look, I brought this stat up a lot on the show. He scored 26 points per game in the Pacers' last 10 games. And we all know that it wasn't just because he was like playing really good. A lot of it was because it was just him and Sabonis and then a bunch of bench dudes because half their team was hurt. He's admitted that too. He's like, well, now everyone's playing. I'm not going to have that volume. But if he can, with his limited touches, be a lot more effective, that'll make this team a lot better. And we've seen that more recently. I think that's something that he can continue to do going forward because he's starting to look a little better. He's got some favorable-ish matchups coming up. A home heavy stretch for the next two and a half weeks will allow him to recover more as they're not traveling. He's sleeping in his own bed, stuff like that. So 
I'm expecting a nice bump in Karis LeVert's effectiveness in the next couple weeks. And if it doesn't come, these conversations will get a little more awkward because he was looking very important for their planning this season. But speaking of the next couple months and games for the Pacers, their final game of November comes tomorrow night against the Minnesota Timberwolves in Minnesota, their last road game until mid-December. Let's look at Minnesota, see what they're doing this season, and see where the Pacers can get some advantages. But first, got to take a break to talk about two awesome groups of people. And the first up is the good folks over at Built Bar because it's here, the best Monday of the year, Cyber Monday, and Built.com is the place to aim your mouse. Get at least 20% off everything delicious and healthy. That's 20% off site-wide at Built.com. Even bigger discounts on Built Boost, Broth, and Built Swag. What is Built Bar the best Tasting protein bars on the market, 100% covered in chocolate, delicious protein bars. Tons of my listeners love them. I just got some new ones last week that are delicious. And a brand new Built Bar flavor is here. Caramel Almond Delight, it delivers everything it promises. Caramelized chocolate, check. Almonds, check. Delightful, double check. Get yours before they're gone. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein. And this season, maybe you're craving some white chocolate for a limited time. They have Built Bar Buff, a Built Bar Puffs flavor, and those are also very good. White chocolate cheesecake, 140 calories, 17 grams of protein covered in white chocolate. Tis the season to save and give your taste buds the gift of Built Bar. Go to Built.com for these incredible tasting new bars and 20% off everything. Head to Built.com, enter the code LOCKED20 for 20% off before it's too late. Let's also talk about BetOnline.ag because it's Thanksgiving time. You know what that means? A lot of football, a lot of football action this weekend. Unfortunate game for the Colts. And nothing goes better with football the turkey, and betting. And BetOnline has you covered for all the holiday season, including now that Thanksgiving's over. Still more action coming up. They've got more props, odds, and lines than ever before. They remain your number one spot for all the sports action. Head over to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus. Just make sure to use the promo code LOCKEDON when you sign up. Not just football, they also have pro and college hoops, IU looking good, NHL, boxing, UFC, your favorite casino games from Vegas. They got them all. Don't wait to take advantage of all their amazing offers. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online. They're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving season. Pacers, Timberwolves tonight. Thank you again for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today. What is up with the Timberwolves? Why are they so good recently? They're up to 10 and 10. They're seventh in the West. Wowie. The Timberwolves, actually a good team. They won five in a row before a loss to Charlotte this weekend and then won again against Philly the other night. So they've won six of seven. The Wolves looking good, looking very good. Besides Patrick Beverly getting injured, they're very healthy and they're looking good. How are the Timberwolves so good? They do something I talk about a lot, but they do something I talk about a lot better than the other teams I talk about doing it. And I always talk about offensive rating, defensive rating, stuff like that. And those formulas are points per 100 possessions, points per 100 possessions, right? If you maximize your possessions, you up your offensive rating or defensive rating. And the Wolves are killer at that. They're first in the league in offensive rebounds, number one. And they are first in the league at forcing other teams' turnovers at 18 per game. That means they have a lot of possessions, a ton of possessions. So that's how they maximize their team. That's why they're 11th in net rating at plus 1.5 because they're able to to dominate the possession game and outpace their ratings with more points per game because they're doing so well and getting these extra possessions. And what are they doing with those possessions? How about taking the fourth most or making the fourth most threes per game, taking the first most 43 threes attempted per game by this Minnesota team while they get their rebounds, their fourth in steals that translates to their turnovers, second in blocks, right? This Timberwolves team dominates the possession game, dominates. They want to have the ball all the time. And that's smart. That's a good way to think about 
offensive and defensive rating, instead of trying to maximize the individual possessions, just get a ton of possessions. The Pacers do maybe not necessarily exactly the opposite, but they think a little bit more about maximizing each possession than the possession game. So it's very important in this game, very important. Keep those turnovers down. The Pacers have been getting a lot better at that as the season has gone on, and especially better of late. Um, but they had a, you know, they've had some rougher games in this department. They really need to focus on on-time and, and on-target passes. Don't let any of those go flying out of bounds. You're going to have some turnovers every game, right? It's just going to happen. Keep that number very low. That has to be important here. And then rebounding, of course, as well against a team that is first in the league on the offensive glass. You have to be good boxing out and keeping your man in check. And look at the Wolves. Sort their best players by offensive rebounds top to bottom. Carl Anthony Towns is not first. He is second behind Jared Vanderbilt. Jared Vanderbilt, an excellent player who, by the way, I vouched for the Pacers signing. He would fit very well on this team uh, this summer on Lockdown Pacers, but that's not really relevant. Jared Vanderbilt is averaging three offensive rebounds per game. He is a beast on the offensive glass. Whoever is guarding him, Sabonis, Turner, whatever, has to box him out. Cats at 2.8. Anthony Edwards over 1.5 per game. Jaden McDaniels over 1.5 per game. Patrick Beverly right around there. Those are three guards. Everyone has to be on their A-game rebounding against this Minnesota team because they're very good on the offensive glass. It's how they get more possessions. It's how they get these threes up and can be so dangerous. They have four guys shooting six threes or more. So a lot of really tough little thing keys in this game. Boxing out, not turning it over, and you know staying down on your man. Don't be falling for shot fakes because they like to shoot the three. got to have good closeouts against this team. They're tough. They're good. There's a reason they're winning so much. They finally are getting adapted to Chris Finch's system. Anthony Edwards is hitting his shots. D'Angelo Russell is rounding into form after a slower start. Cat is just an incredible player, right? They're really tough. They're really talented. They've got a balanced team, finally, after some years of not. So this Timberwolves team is pretty good, and I think those are some big things that the Pacers have to focus on in this game. But individual matchup-wise, on the other hand, there are a lot of ways that the Pacers can get individual matchup advantages, right? As, as good as D'Angelo Russell is offensively, his defense is, is pretty weak. Uh, so, you know, Brogdon could have some nice driving lanes. Maybe if he's on Lavert, Lavert could be able to get those those shots that he was hitting so well the last couple games. If he can make those fall and punish that, that could really hurt uh, the Pelicans' chances. Malik Beasley, same deal. Excellent offensive player, although not nearly as much this season. He's shooting very, very poorly from the field, um, but has the capability of going off any game. If his defense is poor, you know, you got to punish that. Cat is an oak, I think actually kind of an underrated defender, but not a good defender. So whoever he's on, you know, just put some muscle on him, get him in foul trouble, make him work, stuff like that. They have good bench defenders, Torian Prince, Jaden McDaniels, Jordan McLaughlin, and Naz Reed is kind of that effort Montrez Harrell kind of big that's killed the Pacers in years past. And he's skilled. I don't want to just belittle him to an effort big, but they have to do well on him as well. So there are some matchups that the Pacers can win, and they need to take advantage of those matchups. And then for a team like Minnesota, you know, they concede a ton of two pointers, fifth most in the league at over 50 per game. It's going to be important. I think for guys like TJ McConnell uh, in this game to really get in the paint, make them bend and try to prevent giving up the shots that they give up so often so that the Pacers can get their spray out threes or hit those cutters under the basket, stuff like that. And it's a pretty tough style to play against a, a decent Minnesota team. Again, they're 10 and 10. They have a better record than the Pacers, so it's pretty critical that they're able to get those paint touches and make this this Timberwolves teamwork because they're pretty good. They're rounding into form of late. 
the way they play is is very analytically focused and possession game focused, and that's a tough team kind of team to play against. You have to be really thinking about all the little things in these kind of games. It's not you know obviously just make a lot of shots, you'll look good and generate them, but the way to do that against a team like Minnesota is to master the minutia and make them really work so they can't you know be thinking so much about stealing the ball from you or getting those offensive rebounds. Really battle, really be physical with this team, and I think you can have some success against them. And the other thing about Minnesota that's fascinating. They either win big or lose big very often, right? In their five-game winning streak, tons of double-digit wins, and then they come out and get smoked by the Hornets, right? They very rarely have close games outside of their most recent win against Philly. So, you know, get ahead of them early. Kind of break their spirit. And, you know, I know there's some validity to Mark Monty's theorem game kind of thing where you get ahead early on teams and you kind of coast. So the Pacers need to – I think if they can get ahead early and kind of push hard – through the second and early third quarters, they might be able to break this Minnesota team mentally in a way that takes them out of their game and lets the Pacers kind of cruise because it is the second night of a back-to-back. It is a travel back-to-back. That is tough. But the way Minnesota plays is tough to beat. There's a reason they're good. But the matchups specifically to this game are not so tough for the Pacers. They've had some success against Minnesota in past seasons. They beat them you know, when they were really struggling last year even. They were able to go into Minnesota and get a big win. So this is a tough game, but not one the Pacers can't win. Beverly is not going to play for Minnesota. He is in a doctor strain now. Uh, that just happened, I think, right after their most recent game or right before. So that that's a big loss for them. They lost their, their game after he got hurt. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be big time for the Pacers to try to get a win against this team because they're not bad. It's their last road game in a long time if they can start off some momentum before their big home stand. That'd be huge. And I'll break down this game tomorrow on the show on Locked On Pacers, everything that happened, the big storylines, what's coming up, the upcoming schedule, all that. You know I have lots to talk about about this team. This weekend is fun. They're looking like they're in a little better form after winning three or four, and then the Bucks game happened. So uh, lots to track with this team. They're in kind of a big stretch coming up with all these home games. Might be a chance for them to get to around 500 by Christmas, New Year's-ish. That'd be really huge for them because they're definitely looking like a better team than the team that started one and six. So lots of storylines to get to, lots of guests coming up this week. I think I have all of them lined up, but we'll see. So thank you guys for listening. A lot of fun stuff talking Timberwolves and more tomorrow. Hope you can make it. Hope you had a great weekend, and we will see you very soon.